Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time to drop the puck. Time for the Nightcap. Your home for news and insider info on your Vegas Golden Knights and the NHL. Let's hear from the goalie. Here's Lindsey Brown. Hey, how are you? And welcome back to another installment of the Nightcap. We appreciate you choosing to join to talk some Golden Knights hockey tonight on the Radio.com app. And when we're not preempted by Monday Night Football, streaming, or not streaming, I guess, it would be over live radio on CBS Sports Radio 1140. My name is Lindsey Brown, your host, always and Forever and making his debut on the show tonight. It's a very big day on the nightcap and very big day just in general on CBS Sports Radio here for all of us. Ben Goats of the Las Vegas Review Journal. Hello, Ben. Hello. What is up? Thank you so much for coming in tonight. I'm really excited to have you here. Uh, thank you for having me. We are two Minnesotans who have somehow made our way to Las Vegas and are talking about hockey. We are living like the dream. The absolute dream. And I think we established exactly where our roots were and our shared roots pretty early on because we're just we're a different breed when we're from Minnesota we just act we we kind of float around we're just here we're nice we're positive and then when things start to go south we come down hard like the hammer so hard before we get too deep into all of our great golden knights content that we have planned here for the nightcap ben where can we find your work where can we stalk you on the internet all of these different things oh please do all those things uh, obviously, you can find all my work at ReviewJournal.com, or if you want to subscribe to the hard paper, that's a thing you can do, too, if you want to get that. We can make a real newspaper on actual paper? Some people might still, like, we do good work, I like to think. We that's have good photos great. and stuff. Heck yeah. Uh, also, find me on Twitter, at Ben S. Goats, G-O-T-Z. Uh, I try to be good on the Twitter machine, so if you want to check me out there, too, go for it. Yeah, Twitter's a Twitter's a weird little bit. Uh, you can find me on Twitter if you don't follow me already, at Lindsey Brown, L-A-N-D-S-E-Y, Brown like the color, and then the greatest number of all time, 35. Just want to remind everyone that if you happen to miss a portion of this show or this show entirely, do not fret. It will be available online for your streaming pleasure on CBS Sports Radio 1140.com, on the radio.com app, and on Apple Podcasts. Now, as Shang from Mulan would say, let's get down to business. To defeat the Huns? To exa- ben, I like it already. It's, uh, he, you're, you cool. come in prepared. You roll in five minutes before we go on the air, which gave me slight anxiety, but we're fine. You know, and, I just want to make you sweat I, a little bit. You're picking it up. You're picking up what I'm putting down. Donny Osmond, it's a Las Vegas staple now. Absolutely. So the Golden Knights only played two games last week, or at least since we've been on the nightcap, and both of those happened to be losses in overtime in which the they, Golden Knights led in the third period. They're the exact same game. Like, yeah. literally the exact same game. Different scores, but very similar ways in which the Knights would get out to a lead, start chilling a little bit, start coasting, and then in the third period, not just at the beginning of the third, like late in the third period, they they have these leads. And I think the more disturbing of the two games for me is the one against Winnipeg on Saturday. Just because when it happens the first time, you're like, eh, it's fine. Like, you, you erase it. Like Coach Glenn always says, move on. It's one game, right? Right. But then it happens again at home for the second time in three nights, and they lose 4-3 to three to the Winnipeg Jets after being up 3-1 to one halfway through the third period. Yeah, it was just freaky because, of course, it happens one time. 
You're hosting the Montreal Canadiens, who are playing the second game of a back-to-back. Yeah. Obviously traveling from Canada on a little bit of a West Coast swing. Lots of fans traveling, too. Lots of fans traveling. Mm-hmm. You get up in the third period, because I believe that game was tied entering the third. Mm-hmm. You let the lead slip away. Okay, the Golden Knights talked afterward about, like, we didn't get the bounces that yep. we thought we deserved. Right, it happens. And then the exact same thing. Winnipeg Jets, Canadian team, played the night before and did not play well, by the way, mm-hmm. in San Jose, even though they got the win. Mm-hmm. The Knights get up early, and then once again, they just sit back and let the Jets come to them, which when the other team has Mark Shifley, Blake Wheeler, Patrick Laine, Kyle Connor, not a great idea. So you're saying they have talent on that team? They do. Like, I don't think the Jets are a special team. Like, especially if you look at their blue line. Whew, oh, that you, is. You not think a... we got defensive struggles here. Holy cow. Right. But the Jets, though I don't think they're a playoff team, have some really good forwards. Absolutely. And obviously that was on display in overtime because when you just have Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler mm-hmm. on a forward group together and you just have Kyle Connor and Patrick Laine out there uh, in a three-on-three, that's, that's some good pairings right, right there. Right, exactly. When you have the, those minimized groupings, those three and three overtime, that's when you, you see these skill moves. You see these guys where they're, they're, it's an absolute skill set to be able to be successful in the three on three. And some teams have not figured out how to be successful. One of those teams being our very like own Minnesota. Knights. Well, I would not the Golden Knights, but the Minnesota Wild from where we hail from. That's they're true too. historically awful in three on three overtime because there's an absolute strategy to it. But when you have a team like the Jets that have as much just not just talent, but bona fide goal scoring. Like Patrick Laine is like a tertiary option. He was a number two overall pick three, four years ago and was fresh off a new deal as a restricted free agent. Like he snipes. But the biggest thing that I think that you mentioned that in the, when you were talking about the game against Montreal and what we kind of heard from Winnipeg too, just in a different tone, a couple bad bounces here and there. We actually played really well. Like we, it was just puck luck. And then when they played the Jets, it was the refs. It was the call. It was the game tying goal with about, let's see, I have it right up, pulled up in front of me. Game tying goal for Mike Sh- Mark Shifley came 13 17 into the third period. And that was the wa- waved off icing in which, uh, who was racing with Nate Schmidt to Kyle get that? Connor. Kyle Connor. So typically, icing rules in the NHL. Goes all the way down, crosses the goal line. The players start skating down, and the ref blows the whistle. Usually the the whole, the defensive team is the first one to get back to the puck. Blows the whistle, blows it dead, heads down to the other end of the ice. But if the opposing team who's going into the offensive zone busts their butt or happens to t- touch the puck first, they can wave off the icing. That's at the ref's discretion at almost. And this one was tight. This one was really close, but the refs wave it off. Kyle Connor collects that puck and then dishes it right out in front to uh, crashing down Mark Shifley, who put it away to tie the game at that point. Do you think it was the ref's fault that the Golden Knights lost that game? Well, absolutely not. And neither did Gerard Gallant, by the way. He mm-hmm. basically exonerated the refs after the game, saying it's a fast game, it's a hard call, and frankly, we didn't play well enough to win, which I totally agree with. 100%. Um, do I think that that was a bad call? Probably. Like, by the letter of the law, if we're going to parse the NHL rulebook, which... It's still up in the air, right? Yeah, I think that that probably should have been called icing. But there's no universe where the Golden Knights did not deserve to go to overtime in that game. Yeah. Because they 100% backed off. And by the way, the only reason that that play was even uh, bang-bang in terms of icing was because Riley Smith just gave the puck away to Mark Mm -hmm. Shifley in the offensive zone. If you go back and look at like the highlight, Riley Smith passes to Mark Shifley. I don't know who he was actually trying to pass to, but it looks like he's passing to Mark Shifley. Right. Shifley takes Go off the, the other way. Pass. 
The other way. <laughs> Shifley takes off the other way. Uh, feathers a pass a little bit before the red line to Kyle Connor. But that's the only reason that that play happens is the Knights have a silly giveaway yep. in the offensive zone. And that's kind of goes back to what this team has struggled with for so long. Managing the puck. Mm-hmm. Avoiding silly mistakes. And then giving, you know, this is obviously a 100% hockey cliche, but that full 60-minute effort. Yes. Because they did not do that against the Jets. And that's why they deserve to go into overtime in that game where, as we just talked about, the Winnipeg top-end talent just really They dominated the overtime. They had the puck for 85% of the overtime, if not more. But that's the reason why the Knights were in that position. There's no reason that the Knights should have had a call decide the outcome of that game. No. As we said before, the Jets played awfully in the first game of their back-to-back. They were outshot 53-19 to in San Jose the night before. And awful in the first period of that game against the Knights. The yeah. Knights were dominant in that first period because they came out firing. The, the The Jets were clearly tired. They get the three quick goals. Everything's fine. But then the Knights took their foot off the gas and let Winnipeg basically play themselves back into the game into the second period. And then the third period, boom, that's momentum shift. That's hockey 101, right, Ben? Right. And Kyle Connor, as I said, he got assists on both those goals. Mm-hmm. He's a really good player. He made some plays. The Knights shouldn't have been in a position where a guy that decided to make some plays would tie that game up. Mm-hmm. Like I said, they were... Jets retired. They were playing a goalie in Brassois who's been who really I never bad even heard year. of until he was in the night. I'm like, he who's was like this an guy? 850 save percentage this year. Yeah, that's not good. And a, a goals against average that starts with a four. Yeah, that's not great either. If you're the Knights, you should be licking your chops. You're exactly. at home against a tired team, mm-hmm. against a bad backup goalie. Mm-hmm. And then instead, they get up 3 1 and they just start coasting yep. for reasons that are unexplainable because. They had the day off of practice the next day because they were traveling to Columbus, which they are now. Mm-hmm. There's no reason for them to have None. to save their legs. None. And what drives me nuts, and the Golden Knights aren't the only team that this has happened to where they tend to place blame in other places than it actually should be. And right now it just feels like the Knights are being a little deflective with how they're basically evaluating how they are playing. And Nate Schmidt said in the locker room after the game as well, and I don't have that that quote cut up, but we do have the Gallant quote that you mentioned that we'll play at the beginning of the next uh, segment. But he said, there's a lot of people that think that we're a good team, but we're not playing like it. And the, and I've said this on the nightcap. I don't know how much, you, how much you've listened to, but all of the people that have clearly listened to every single minute of this show and everything that I've ever done is that they are getting complacent. They This is not the same team that existed in the first season in the inaugural season, this isn't the same team as last year. And they blame their their struggles on outside effects instead of looking internally, what 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 are we not doing? What do we need to change? What do we change that we shouldn't have changed? All of these little things, it just feels like, at least to the media, and maybe that's just the bit, it doesn't seem like they're holding themselves as accountable as they should be. No, I would agree with that, especially because the thing that I didn't like about the way they reacted to the Montreal loss, which was it was a couple of bad bounces, was mm-hmm. the fact that, yeah, the reason Montreal got good bounces is because they had the puck. I mean, I believe I looked it up uh, in a game story. RIP that game story I wrote for Winnipeg, by the way. That thing got completely rewritten. Whoops. Uh, but one of the things I was looking <laughs> up is how they did after they went up 4-2 in the third period against the Montreal Canadiens. They got outshot 7-1 to in terms yeah, of shots on goal. they said, Fleury, take the wheel. Until, yeah, yeah Montreal finally tied it. Like, the reason Montreal's getting those pucks that go off a skate or go off a body is because they have the puck and they're throwing it yeah. towards the net. In the offensive zone. If, if they're the playing Knights the other way, they're not even had in the there. puck, there's no opportunity for the bounce to happen. Just like we're talking about with the call that was made, if Riley Smith doesn't throw that puck away, 
they're in no position for a ref to decide whether or not that goal gets allowed. And so there is some stuff like that. I think it's different. Like, Nate Schmidt, obviously didn't really place blame on the refs. He kind of deflected even saying well, whether he Well, you got it. You don't want to get fined. <laughs> That's true. Whether he even thought that was icing or not. And yeah. Like I said, Coach Jorglant pretty much exonerated the refs in terms of blame for the right. result. I, he basically said he disagreed with the call, but exonerated the refs mm-hmm. for the result. So there's certain guys that aren't doing it. But, yeah, there does seem to be, I think, complacency is a good word, just in terms of, like, we talk about the little things in hockey and stuff, like their positioning on breakouts and stuff. Oh, that yeah. has not been good so far. Nope. There's just a lot of things that this team isn't doing because I think they know they're a good team. And I think they know that they have the talent mm-hmm. to make a deep run you know, in the playoffs, which is obviously the goal of this franchise. But you need to get back to basics if you want to get there. And that's something this team's kind of Absolutely. They're the definition of we're talking the talk, but we're not really walking the walk. And we're going to get more into the complacency, those little things that are plaguing the Golden Knights and then after the break that we have coming up here – But before we do that, I just want to put it out there to everyone because I feel like the refs get a bad shake in this town. And granted, I get it. There have been a couple instances. Just in this town, by the way? Just in this town. You know, refs in general, just across all sports, don't have that that fun of a time, especially on social media. But I need to just – and we addressed this last week about just booing the refs when they come out at the beginning of the game. Like, come on. Like, let's just – not. it's not the same ref every time, first of all. Second of all – like Coach said, the game is fast. We think we see everything that goes on the ice. We're sitting, you know, depending on where you see it, if you're a beautiful person, you're right up against the glass. Sure, you probably could see it. But these refs are doing the best that they can, and they're going to mess up. And while I don't necessarily agree with the waved-off icing at that point, I can understand why he waved it off. Because at the end of the day, Kyle Connor was busting his butt and got into a position that made, made the ref question whether or not Nate Schmidt was first. And... That goal was scored with more than seven minutes left in the game. You had plenty of time to make up for that mistake, to put another biscuit in the basket, as we like to say up north. You had plenty of time to shut things down, to get things back going back in your direction momentum-wise, and they just haven't shown the ability to really turn the tide, at least within a period. Maybe out of an intermission they can, but it's really hard for the Golden Knights, or at least we haven't seen it, for them to kind of shift gears and completely be like, we're playing like crap. We got to get going. We got to play better. And then actually doing it. So or how much time we got left? Marky Mark, football, we're going. Excellent. Let's take that first intermission, shall we? Let the Zamboni get out here. Ben and I are going to get into those thoughts regarding the late game collapses, what they need to do, what they need to clean up. My name is Lindsey Brown. That's Ben Goats. This is the Nightcap on CBS Sports Radio 1140 and streaming on the Radio.com app. Your Monday Night Power Play, The Nightcap, on CBS Sports Radio 1140. You know what, I'm not going to blame the referees for this game. I'm going to blame the way we played the last 25 minutes of the hockey game. You know, I mean, if they wouldn't have scored there, they probably would have scored somewhere else. Because we didn't play our game. We backed off, we were too loose, and, you know, I'm disappointed. I think the call was wrong, but that wasn't the reason why we lost. That would be Coach Gerard Gallant after the loss to the Winnipeg Jets that suffer. God, I'm starting off this segment really bad. The Golden Knights lost the Winnipeg Jets the other night for the second game in a row, giving up a third period lead and losing in overtime. 
there was a bad call made in which an icing was waved off. And we talked all about that in the first segment of the nightcap. And you can listen back to that on the radio.com app or on CBS Sports Radio 1140. And welcome. There you go. That was a start to a segment for the ages, my friends. And welcome back to the nightcap. Uh, my name is Lindsay Brown, your host, always and forever. You can find me on Twitter at LindsayBrown35 or on Instagram at Linz, just minus E-Y, uh, Brown35. And I am joined for the first time in this show, but you have one segment under your belt now, so you're practically Season a veteran. pro. Yes. Ben Goats from the Las Vegas Review Journal. Can you remind us where we can find all of your great thoughts, writings, you know, just musings? musings yes, all world. of those things. Uh, at Ben S. Goats, G-O-T-Z on Twitter, or just check out all my stuff at ReviewJournal.com. So much stuff. So much. So stuff. much stuff. So much Golden Knights related, just storylines, topics, and what we've done on the nightcap so far is we've talked a lot about big ideas, momentum changes, how things are being approached. We're gonna get a little more deep dive into hockey for this segment, and I'm glad that you're here, Ben, because you speak of my language. I try. You're from the you're from Minnesota. You know hockey. You know how to talk hockey. And before we previewed the this segment, we were talking about the Knights' complacency and how all of these little paper cuts of these little mistakes have really spelled disaster in the game on Saturday, the game on Thursday, and most of the Knights' losses. I honestly, I think they've played one complete game this entire year, I think. If it was a full 60 minutes to use your your uh, your hockey, just that's about every, what everybody else says. So, defensive zone. This is where the big issue starts for me, Ben. And you and I were talking about this before the segment started. What are you seeing that's the most egregious problem that the Knights are struggling with in their defensive zone that's leading to giving up late leads or just not being able to play their game, the momentum shifting? What are you seeing? Oh, there's just a host of things. Well, one, and this is all over the ice, puck management has just not been good. They're not valuing the puck. They're giving too many pucks away, which is not what you want to see. And I think they're having too many breakdowns, especially with guys cutting toward the middle of the ice. Uh, so in their D zone. In their D zone mm-hmm. specifically. There's guys getting to the middle of the ice, which is never where you want the puck to go. No. And that's happening far too often. Obviously, we've talked about the icing play. Guys let up a little bit, but Mark Shifley gets right to the middle of the ice, right. plants himself in front of Malcolm Subban. Yeah. Right. And no one's there hustling after to pick him up. Now, I get that the players thought there was going to be icing, so you, it gets waved off a little bit. Mm-hmm. But as my peewee coach probably would have told me, did you hear a whistle? No? Great point. Then why just start stop skating? And I would have gotten yelled at on the bench, as I'm sure the Knights uh, heard a little bit on the bench as well. Absolutely. And just to kind of, with those passes, with those problems getting the breakout going, we were mentioning that the forwards on this team have a tendency to be completely allergic to the defensive zone, or at least anywhere below the tops of the circles. And so the wings in, the wings in the center, center you want, to be your third defense, but you want them hanging out in that slot, that middle area where they're sending a lot of passes where they should not be sending. But the wings, like Marcia So, like all these guys that line up on the outside, they've been going out into the neutral zone. They're basically they're looking. Flying. They're they're looking for a chair, not a full cherry pick pass where they're behind the defenseman and trying to just look for a flip. But they're cheating high in the zone, looking for that outlet pass to basically break out and go on an odd man rush, which this team is built for. Like it's built for North and South hockey, right? Mm-hmm. It isn't, it isn't, because the thing that kind of baffles me when guys leave the zone like a little bit too early is that as much as this team is known for kind of in the highlights, those speeds and the, that transition plays, like this team, and Coach Jar Gallant talks about it all the time, is built to be a four-checking team, mm-hmm. and not just the fourth line. Like William Carlson's line, the top line, isn't just good going blue line to blue line. They are really, really impressive to me 
when they can get on the cycle and basically just put guys in a spin cycle. Because right. they're not just fast straight line. They are quick. Right. Where when you have William Carlson below the goal line with the puck and you have Riley Smith just basically putting guys in a blender as he kind of circles around. Right. Like, they can out-quick teams on the forecheck. And this is a team that gets rewarded when it works hard as opposed to, you know, like the 20, they're not the 2018-19 Tampa Bay Lightning where they just have mm. so much overwhelming skill where they're just going right. to create You're goals. Like, pick a line, we'll probably score on you. It doesn't exactly. matter. This yeah. is a team that gets rewarded by working hard more mm-hmm. than just kind of making, for lack of a better word, fancy, skillful plays. Right. And so that's why I'm sure for the coaching staff is a little frustrating when they see guys trying to make some fancy, skillful plays, not just by leaking out early on breakouts, but mm-hmm. by making passes that they should not be making because there's right. been so many intercepted passes for this team through the first uh, 15, I think, we're now at games this season. So many passes that are finding opponent sticks. Yeah. And there's no reason they and should be. And there's nobody in the general vicinity with a similar jersey on. And that's the problem where a little mistake like cheating outside of the defensive zone looking for that pass, and all of a sudden you're putting your defenseman in a position to try to thread a needle on a pass instead of doing a pass that's 70% successful out of the times that they do it. And now you're like, oh, this is going to be a 25% success rate. And that's where you're seeing teams step down into those passing lanes and step down and trapping them not only in their zone but with their extra guys not even there to support them down low. Yeah. But, your, but your point on the cycle is really important to make, especially for that for top line between Marcia So, Carlson, and Smith, because you can see their skill and how that translates so well based off of their success on the penalty kill. Like, the penal- the Golden Knights penalty kill is right up there in the best of the league. It's like us and Arizona. Especially with those to William yes. Carlson, Riley Smith. Right, and like, you, and like you said, getting that puck down low, if they're fortunate, that's a choice. And I'm not saying that they're like, no, I'm not going to go. Like, we're not doing it. But what what's happening with these guys is that there's a little sliver of hesitation. And that's all it takes at this level is for you to be half a second off. And then all of a sudden, everything that you had planned, all of a sudden that lane that you were going to take to the outside that's going to spring you for a breakaway, it's not there anymore. Not only is it not there, but there's a guy there and there's a guy here. And guess what? The puck's coming on your backhand instead of your forehand because you're here. It's all of these little things add up and then end up in the back of the net. Right. But that was a great point that you made. I just wanted to reiterate that for you. Oh, thank class. you. But we see this. Like, <laughs> yes. But we see like the defensive and the breakout stuff, even on the Winnipeg Jets' first goal. Derek Anglin gets the puck. You can see he's looking up. And if you watch back the highlight, there is not a forward no. in the vicinity. And they are not changing. It is the same line that's on the ice this entire play. Yep. But and he looks flat, up, too. There's no one there. No, that does not excuse the really bad pass. He, yeah. I think he was trying to hit Nick Holden basically mm-hmm. across the zone and misjudged where Holden was going. It was it was just a bad pass that led to a takeaway for the Jets in their first goal. But that's kind of symptomatic of their problems. If you mm-hmm. have forwards, in that case, the third line was leaking out, looking to get on the break and on the attack. Yep. Derek England wasn't ready, and he was getting pressured because there's still two Jets in the zone at that point. So he needed a kind of a quick, easy outlet. Mm-hmm. It wasn't there. He tries to slide the puck across the zone. It's a bad pass because he's getting pressured. Yep. Still not really excusing Derek England. You just can't make that pass. No. But it leads to a turnover. You know, he's got to put it goal. off the glass or something. That's the other thing, too. I'm like, if you're going to have forwards cheating in the neutral zone, that's fine. But stop trying to go up the boards or stop going through the middle. I'm like, throw it off the glass. When in doubt, just chip it out and chase it down. They got the speed. They got the talent. They it's can do It's almost like those. they practiced that in practice the day before the Jets game and uh, didn't execute. Uh, shocking. I'm, I'm, 
their practices kind of drive me nuts on the inside because they do mostly the same drills. And that's why the complacency thing just plays a lot with me because I'm like, what, what, what has changed? What They don't change a lot of their drills. They basically do the same things. You're just there to keep the rust off. And I'm like, I get it. But at some point, it needs to be more about just keeping the rust off. you got to forge some new, I don't know what you're trying to do. And let's move away from the defense, at least when they're trying to break out. Because when you get stuck in your zone, what happens to you, Ben? What happens when you're getting stuck in your D zone for a long time? You get tired. And oh, then, you get tired. And then you change rather than going to the offensive zone mm-hmm. because you're so tired from chasing guys around your defensive mm-hmm. zone. You get the puck out. You dump it instead of actually entering the zone with any sort of speed because you're mm-hmm. gassed. So you dump the puck. Then you change right away, and someone else is on the ice. Yeah, and how is your how are your decision-making skills when you're exhausted, especially physically? Well, my decision-making skills are good never. Yeah, well, that now we've established that. But they're we especially bad when I'm tired. Right, and that's what leads to these. That's where they get stuck. And then they end up giving up those goals where they're just getting held down. Or like you said, they have no energy left to even go on the other side of the red line where they drop the puck. They have no energy for those offensive chances. And in a game like hockey that's so dependent on momentum, when you're just getting that puck in and dumping it in or barely getting in the zone and just throwing it on net just to throw it in, that's just pumping up the other team's goalie. They've done that all over the place to start this season where you're like, this goalie usually isn't very good. But for some reason, Patrick Wall has been reincarnated. It's weird. But that's the problem. And I think that it's not something you can just, like, fix. I'm not really sure how you can just completely change everything because I just think there's this little hesitation with these guys, and I don't get what the deal is. I don't understand why everything is so off when there are other things that are way harder to do going so much better. They're having much more success in areas of the game that are much harder to succeed in than the areas that they're not doing well in. I think they just have to realize that what Nate Schmidt said after the game, which you pointed out, is true. That they are a good team on paper that has not proven they're a good team yet. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of the what we're kind of talking about are symptoms to me of a team that knows it's good and is playing like they're a world beater. And to be fair, like I picked them to make the playoffs. I think yeah. they're one of the five, six best rosters in the league. And Absolutely. For sure, one of the two, three best uh, teams in the Western Conference. But like I was talking about with kind of with that first line, that first line is not good just because they have this overwhelming talent advantage. They are good because when they outwork people, they are hard to keep Mm -hmm. up with. And it's the same thing with Paul Stasny's line. When those guys just work hard, and it's so hard to play against a guy like Mark Stone who could just bat the puck out of the air, take it the other way, and basically lead to a scoring chance. Like That's so frustrating if you're playing against him. But it's frustrating because they work hard. And like I said, you're not the 2018-19 Tampa Bay Lightning so work hard, play the four-chicking game you need to succeed, mm-hmm. and that's how you're going to turn into a good team. Yep. Well, they need to work hard because we are working hard for sure, and because we are such hard workers, we need to take a quick breather. Uh, when we come back after the second intermission, it is time for our extra special weekly segment that is called the Dump and Chase segment. Don't know what that means? Good. Neither does Ben. I'll explain it to you after the break. My name is Lindsay Brown. That's Ben Goats. This is the Nightcap on CBS Sports Radio 1140 and streaming on the Radio.com app. Time for a little dump and chase. The Nightcap on CBS Sports Radio 1140. Hey, how are you? And welcome back to the Nightcap. We were just about to get underway with our dump and chase segment. But before we proceed, if you happen to miss the first segment, last segment, this one or the next, don't forget you can find all of those great segments and everything Nightcap Golden Knights are just sports related on CBS Sports Radio 1140.com or subscribe to our feed on Apple Podcasts or listen to 
on demand on the radio.com app. My name is Lindsay Brown, your host, always and forever. You can find me on Twitter at LindsayBrown35. And tonight we are joined by Ben Goats of the Las Vegas Review Journal. Hello, Ben. Hello. This is a very special segment. I'm so excited. You sound it. Thank you. Do you know why why it takes place when it does, the dump and chase segment? I would like to hear your guess. It's the third segment? Is it third period related? Nope, but oh. it has a three in it. All right, you're going to have to hit me up. Dump and chase segment always takes place during whatever segment takes place during the 35th minute of the hour, which was my hockey number, and it is the greatest number of all time. Nice. So nice. usually dump and chase is just like a stream of consciousness, random thoughts that I've had during the week. But today what we're going to do, because we haven't done a ton of like big picture around the NHL looks around here on the nightcap, that's what we're going to do tonight. So I'm going to go through every single team here. And if you got something to say about them, a comment, something you read, something you think, go ahead. If you got nothing to say, you just say, move on. There's <laughs> nothing to say. There's nothing to do. We'll see. Limited sample size, but what are we, 15 games in-ish for everyone? Yeah. So. There are some trends a, a Bruin. So we shall start with the Atlantic Division in the Eastern Conference, the Boston Bruins. Your thoughts? Best team in the NHL. Really? David Pasternak's. Oh, David Pasternak's incredible. 12 goals, 12 assists, I think, last time I checked. They're coming back on the Penguins. Or no, the Penguins came back on them. Then oh, the Bruins so they're not so good. As we speak. But I think the Bruins are just so good. There's no Stanley Cup final and losing hangover effect. There. Yeah, that's weird. Usually it's the other way around, but they're the only team that I've seen in a while that's been as successful, at least out of the gates, following a deep playoff run. Next team, who are in second place, the Buffalo Sabres. The team we all picked to be basically at the top of the league. They are currently 9-4-2, the Buffalo Sabres. Any thoughts on the Buffalo Sabres? Uh, I love that Ralph Kruger, who was in the Premier League last year, and by the way, that's not a hockey thing. He was legitimately in the English Premier League for soccer last year that's with weird. Southampton. Uh, he's doing a great, like, he might be the most interesting man in hockey, so I'm glad to see him succeed, but I don't know if this is sustainable. Right. We thought that the Jack Eichel and all these different players that are have been on the precipice these last few years, it looks like they've taken a step, but they got off to a pretty good start last year, too, so we won't hold our breath on continued success for the Buffalo Sabres. Third place in the Atlantic Division are the Florida Panthers at 7-3-4. and four. Kind of impressive that they're doing it when Sergei Bobrovsky has been pretty bad so Awful. far. And he just signed a $70 million deal. Yeah, like that's looking real bad right now. But the team is somehow good, so I don't know what to make of that. Yeah, I don't understand. I haven't watched very much of any of their games this year, if any. But all I know is that Coach Q knows how to coach. And they got some players who can play, so they might actually sneak into the plops this year. And where they probably rightfully belong in fourth place in the Atlantic Division. I'm sure everybody up north is freaking out. 7-5-3, and three, the Toronto Maple Leafs with an arsenal of talent. N- not really getting much going. But John Tavares is hurt. John Tavares is hurt. And their talent is very top-heavy, which is questions I think everyone had about their roster coming mm-hmm. into the season. Is you're spending a lot of money on Tavares and Matthews and Nylander now. And Marner. Exactly. Don't forget about him. They all have big deals. And Matthews, Marner, and uh, who, who's it? Nylander all signed out of the restricted free agency. So they got their big deals early. Right. So I'm not sure the depth on that team is quite there, but I think they're going to figure it out. Like, they have too much talent not to kind of figure it out. they have Babcock. Out. Like, if there's anybody to figure it out, but maybe he doesn't translate to the younger, the younger generation. I don't know. We'll have to see. Uh, fifth place, the team that we just faced, not – last game but the game before that the montreal canadians seven five and two they look okay they're fine, they're fine. I, don't, I don't have a lot of hot takes about the canadians no. they're there Carey i picked Price them to make, stay healthy yeah i need to pick them to make the playoffs this year but i don't think they're great 
top team in the league who happened to be swept out of the playoffs after being the most overwhelming favorite to start the playoffs in, God, at least 10 years. The Tampa Bay Lightning are 6-5-2, and two, and holy crap, is John Cooper going to be in trouble if this continues? It's like they held, I believe, like a team meeting after their second game of the season. Yeah, like, what are they, the Minnesota Wild? They What's were hitting on? the panic button early, which just interests me about this team and whether their mindset is after getting that sweep against them by the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah. You have the Vesna winner, the reigning Vesna winner, the reigning Hart Trophy. Like you have every Ryan McDonough is a third pair defenseman. You got everything. Figure it out. You guys need to do better. Awful. Great jerseys, but you just got to figure it out. Uh, second to last here, Detroit Red Wings 4-10-1. We will see them this week with the Golden Knights. Yeah, they're bad. Yeah, they're bad. They got Dylan Larkin, who's fast sometimes. He's pretty good. And then bottom feeding, another Canadian team. Ottawa Senators, 3-8-1. Also real bad. Real bad. The Knights almost lost to them. We will not go down that road. Let's go to the Metropolitan Division to the not current reigning champions of the Stanley Cup, but two years ago. Hopefully they're sobering up at some point. 11-2-3 the Washington Capitals are. They are also facing the Golden Knights this week. I think they're really good. Like Todd Reardon's got them playing a little bit more aggressive now that they're two years removed from that Barry Trot system, and mm-hmm. it's really working for them. Yeah, I just... I am always really scared when the Caps are really good. And now that they won the Cup, it's like that monkey's off the back. But I'm like, I don't know if they can sustain this. You know, we'll have to see. And that's a really good division with a lot of a lot of talented teams. And one of the teams that's barking right below them is are the New York Islanders, who are 10-3-0. They were in the playoffs last year, a little bit of a surprise team. And I think they're kind of a surprise to be doing as well as they are to start out this season, too. It's weird. Yeah, I think they're on an eight-game winning streak or yeah, something. What, like, what, What's happening? Can Barry Trotz win the Jack Adams two years in a row? Like, I know he won't, but he yeah. probably should. Yeah, you lose John Tavares, no problem. We'll make the playoffs anyways. You lose your best goal, lose Robin Leonard to, to free agency now in Chicago, no problem. We'll still keep winning. The Islanders, who knew? Next team, third place, the Carolina Hurricanes are 9-4-1, and one, and I think are. Pretty much everybody's probably third favorite NHL team at this point, just based off of what they've turned into in the last nine months or so. Yeah, gotta love the Storm Surge. A bunch of yeah. jerks. Rob the Bod, coaching them up. Yeah, and they were off to a hot, hot start. I think they were like 6-0 and or something, but they're definitely building on that momentum that they built up last year, and their fan base is on board. So me and momentum, I follow it, and, and they're definitely a, a playoff pick for me. Uh, fourth place in the Metro Division are the Pittsburgh Penguins, 8-5-1. and one. I'm kind of impressed they are where they are, despite yeah. all the injuries they've had. Yeah. I mean, Malkin, Malkin Rust, uh, Galchenyuk was injured there for a little bit. Yeah. They've dealt with a lot earlier. Crosby says, get on there. my back, boys. Let's go. Yeah, That's all he does. still outstanding. Like, shocker. Unbelievable. If they can just keep treading water, they're going to be just fine. Because I don't think any of those injuries are, like, long, long-term problems. Malkin should be back soonish, right? I think he might already be back. Well, there you go. We know. We prep. <laughs> Fifth place, the worst, the worst jerseys in uh, this division, I think, are the Philadelphia Flyers, six five and two. Carter Hart, new goaltender, not new, new, but relatively new. I'm obsessed with him. I think he's going to be a really great, great goaltender, and I'm kind of sad he plays in Philly. But any thoughts on Philly? Yeah, the best thing about him is gritty. Other than that, they're fact, kinda, fact. Other sir. than that, they're kind of like the Canadians. Like they're fine. Yeah, they're not they, great. they they're can. Fine. The rest of the team can retire. Like it's fine. Up next, you have the Columbus Blue Jackets, 5-6-3. and three. And I thought they had a better record than this, but clearly, maybe not. But they lost everything in a bag of everything. chips last year to free agency. Though I will get, like, John Tortorella coaching a team that no one believes in. It's, like, perfect. Like, that is yeah, where he wants to be. That is Torts 101. That is where he wants to be. So I'm not surprised he's putting them a little bit above expectations yeah. right now. So they'll either make a deep run in the playoffs or he'll get fired. It's one of the two. 
we'll, we'll have to see where that percolates. The Blue Jackets are weird. Uh, second to last place in the Metro Division, the New York Rangers, who have definitely been awful. 5-5-1, five, five and one, but their number two overall draft pick this year, Capo Caco, who was, they were saying, he's better than Jack Hughes. You might be better. I don't think he has more than five points. Yeah, no, neither of them has been really great, which no. is fine. They're teenagers. Like, don't yeah, expect teenagers to play a grown man's game like hockey well right away. Let them develop, yeah. and I think he'll end up being fine. Yeah, there was definitely a lot of buzz around the New York Metro area teams, and the New Jersey Devils wrap up. the the They are the absolute dumpster fires of the Metro division. Such high expectations for this team heading into the season, and they've just straight up stumbled out of the gates. They're sitting 3-5-4. and four. Yeah, shout-out to... Uh, Former Golden Knight Nikita Gusev, who got traded in the offseason, which caused the fan base to freak out. He's been a healthy scratch. Like, he has not been good. It's not good. And a lot of their other additions They're already haven't 15 points out. Work. Yeah, no. It's just all been terrible. Corey Schneider is calling himself out after games. Their goaltender. I don't know what's going it's, on with him. It's just a whole mess. He's not doing the 35 proud. I know that. They got an assistant GM on the bench coaching now. It's it's weird. It is weird. Uh Let's start out the Western Conference. I know we probably we can't fit all of these in. We'll have to bleed in the next segment. But Central Division, St. Louis Blues, defending Stanley Cup champions, 9-3-3, 21 points. Just another day at the office. Yeah, I'm still a little bit worried about them without Tarasenko. I think he just He's adds a game-changing a element that mm-hmm. they don't have. So I'm really curious to see how they kind of stumble through the next couple months. Yeah, he separated his shoulder, and you could see him literally putting his shoulder back into his socket when it popped out. Uh, I think he had surgery last week, or they might just be resting. Either way, he's got a droopy shoulder. It needs to heal. All right, we need to start wrapping it up. We have one final break before our last bit here for the Nightcap podcast. If that's not a podcast, it's a show, actually. Uh, My name is Lindsey Brown. That is Ben Goats. This is the Nightcap on CBS Sports Radio 1140 and streaming live on the Radio.com app. CBS Sports Radio. The Nightcap. That's a night with a K, as in Golden Knights. Duh. On CBS Sports Radio 1140. Whenever, wherever, you can find all of the Nightcap episodes and anything related to Golden Knights, to hockey, to sports in general, uh, and anything I've done on CBSSportsRadio1140.com and streaming on the Radio.com app. Welcome back to the final segment of the Nightcap. My name is Lindsay Brown, your host always and forever. Uh, I'm joined by Ben Goats today of the Las Vegas Review Journal. And, oh yeah, you get the buzzer every time here. Uh, we, before the, before we took the break, we were kind of going through, we were studying the Western conference. We were just doing hot lap around the NHL essentially, because we haven't really taken a long view of the NHL. We've been mostly golden Knights heavy, and we're going to get back to some golden Knights before the segment ends. We're going to rush through this Western conference because we've seen a lot of these teams already. Most of our listeners probably know kind of where they're at because golden Knights is that's their conference. That's yeah. their bit. Makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. But before we do that, Ben, where can we find all your good stuff? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ben S. Goats, G-O-T-Z on Twitter. Or, of course, check out all my stories on ReviewJournal.com. Perfecto. All right. We said St. Louis Blues. They're 9-3-3. Three, and three. They lost Tarasenko, but they're still sitting at the top of the Central Division. Tarasenko's a big loss, but they're the defending Stanley Cup champs. They still got a lot of good players. We'll have to see if... They're able to overcome that injury. In second place on the Western Conference are the Nashville Predators. They're 8-4-2 and two with 18 points. 
I'm surprised because I didn't think they were going to be that good this year. Oh, I thought they were going to be really good. That huh? upgrade, and it has been an upgrade from P.K. Subban to Matt Duchesne, working really good for them. Yeah, and obviously it all starts from the goaltender out, and Pecorine is playing really well. He's he's getting up there in age, but I think he kind of realizes, and this team probably realized, hey, there's only so much time left with this core. With Roman Yossi hitting free agency this summer, there's a lot of pieces moving around that could that team could look a lot different a year from now. So. Yeah, they locked Yossi up, though. Did they? Yeah, eight-year deal. When? Eh, like a week ago. I'm good at my job sometimes. Why did I think that he was out? Oh, well. That's that's because I'm so focused on the Golden Knights, obviously. So Third place, Colorado Avalanche, 8-4-2. and two. Starting to slow down a little bit after that fast start. They're banged up. They got yeah. Gabriel Landeskog hurt. They got Mika Rantanen hurt. But when they were here at T-Mobile Arena, they looked outstanding. They smoked the Knights. They were stupid good that game. Smoked them. Like the Knights weren't good, but the Avalanche, I don't were so good, I don't think it matters. Yeah. And it's weird because they feel kind of top heavy too, but not as top heavy as say like we were talking about with the Capitals or even with the hmm, Devils kind of. They're kinda of a little top heavy with their names of PK and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, when you have two, those two names, when you have Ronton and, and Landiscog out, and Landiscog being the captain, you're not you gotta just tread water and make sure that nobody just survive. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. That's literally the NHL season's all about survival. It's just riding the ups, riding the downs. Uh fourth place, team we just lost to. The Winnipeg Jets, eight seven and O. Oh, Sixteen points. Yeah, like I said, they're fine. They'll they're be a fine. frisky nine or ten seed in the West. Interesting. Conference. Interesting choice of words. Yeah, I think they might they might actually change for the playoffs if things just get really got weird. If Dustin Bufflin ever decides he wants to play hockey. Yeah, there's that. Yeah, and if they if they grow some defenders overnight, maybe that'll happen. They they their goal is need to play better, that's for darn sure. Uh next, the Dallas Stars seven, eight, and one, a team that a lot of people picked to go deep into the playoffs this year, and they've stumbled out of the gates as well. Yeah, real disappointing start, but they've like almost recovered at this mm-hmm. point, which I was already ready to write them off as like too old and slow, but now they're gonna be right back in it with a couple more wins. Yeah, that win against the Wild they had the other night and that comeback win probably definitely helped, especially in just terms of confidence and being like, Oh, we're we're down, but we're not all the way out. Next we have the Sh- the Chicago Blackhawks, right where they belong, almost to the basement. Yeah, four, bad. six, and three. Jonathan Tay's bad year. Bad, real bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it, they can't get out from underneath the Seabrook contract or the Duncan Keith contract. They're just stand, man. For all the cups, it's it's not looking too great right now for this year. Next year, really going for it. I think Taves and Kane are going to have a pretty lame back end of their careers. If you're if you're going to ask me, no, no thoughts. No, I think that's true. I mean, I think this is the price you pay when you win three mm-hmm. Stanley Cups. Yeah. I think most Blackhawk fans are probably okay with this trade-off. Yeah. No, I'm sure I'm sure they are. And the absolute dumpster fire, probably the entire league, our very own, and by our, I mean you and me, Ben, the Minnesota Wild. Bad. Good luck, Bill it's, Guerin. It's, yeah, it's not even worth the tea. It's just, it's bad. It's real bad. And they're, well, the Golden Knights will face them three times this season, which will will be good so those will probably be three w's to the pacific division the golden knights division we are here we are home still leading the division right now are the edmonton oilers just like everyone predicted at sitting 10 4 and 121 points just ripping it up yeah they're gonna get it done maybe but Connor mcdavid might collapse by the end of the season because he's playing like 23 minutes a night which is ridiculous that's insane it's pretty much a big cluster of teams in the pacific division we don't have a ton of time left, so we're not going to be able to get into everyone else. But those are followed by the Canucks, the Ducks, your Golden Knights are sitting with 18 points in fourth place, followed by the Flames, the Coyotes, the Kings, and the Sharks. Up this week, the East Coast road trip, 
for your Knights. And it's kind of a murderer's row. It's it's teams that are playing well, and it's and it's East Coast, like the time difference that plays, especially when you're when you're coming from the West Coast, like they are. Uh, up first tomorrow night, Columbus five six and three six in the Metro. I think they need to win this game, the Golden Knights. I really do. You're gonna have like two days to adjust to Columbus, so I think if you're the Golden Knights, you need to get that done. Like I said, they traveled to Columbus yesterday. They got into practice today. They should be ready to go for that game tomorrow. And you would think they'll be angry for that game tomorrow too. Yeah, and I just. With them playing Toronto Thursday, Toronto, I think, is going to be looking to get everything back on track. It's The pressure is no higher than it is in Toronto. I think between the Columbus-Toronto, at Washington, at Detroit, you got to go 500. So the Columbus game is a must. I would give them a loss in Toronto just because of where, where it is, what the situation is. It's only one day in between. But I just – I think they need to go 500 on this road trip. I really do. They just – get back into at least neutral for them. Because I just feel like the slide is just inevitable right now. Right. I think if you're looking at the schedule, you should win in Toronto, try to win in Detroit, and then try to get a point somewhere between your game in Toronto and your game in Washington. Yeah. I, it's going to be tough with with how well they're playing right now. And it's just, there's there's just too much scoring on, on that team. And until the Knights show us otherwise, I don't, I, I, I can't put faith in anything. They're not scoring a lot of goals. They're not... They're not staying consistent through those 60 minutes, which we talked about earlier. And not that Toronto is, not that Columbus is, but home ice advantage plays. And you got to make sure that you're not walking out one and three. Or uh, could you imagine com- them coming home next week, 0 and 4 on this road trip? How bad it would be? be a lot of questions. It would be a lot of questions. Like this could be- turn into very, very hot water very quick for this team. But luckily, we'll be around all season to break it down if it should. There it's you great. go. Thank you so much for joining me, Ben. I really appreciate it. Before Thank you we go, for having me. where can we find your stuff quickly? Uh, I am at Ben Escotes, G O T Z, on Twitter, or just find all my stuff at ReviewJournal.com. Awesome. This is the Nightcap. My name is Lindsay Brown, your host always and forever. Thank you to Mark. You can listen to us at CBS Sports Radio 1140 AM or on the Radio.com app. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.